I'm Shelby Skirhawk, producer and guest host, and this is Dallas Dirt. Today, I'm excited to have uh, two fellow crime enthusiasts here. So uh, we've got realtors Heather Guild and Elena Ritchie. Welcome to, uh, to Dallas Dirt. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's always exciting to talk with you guys. I'm, I'm hoping uh, this will be a, a good, juicy conversation. First, let me say that you guys have a podcast. It's called Crime Estate, which is you know perfect because as realtors, they you know they know the impact that uh, true crime or crime can have on a home, um, and that's kind of the lens that they look at it from. So. Uh, first off, you know, tell me about the podcast and, and kind of, you know, how it, how it came about and, uh, and how far along you guys are. Heather's better at telling this story. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, Alana and I are old friends. We've both been in the real estate business in Dallas for a long time. Our kids we, go to school together. Our kids now go to school together. So we often get together and just chat about kids, real estate, you know, all the things. And um, we were doing that one day and I started telling her a story about a true crime that had happened in my family. You know, you jumped in with this other crazy story you had, and before long, we had this idea for a podcast where we discussed, you know, true crime stories and how the real estate surrounding them is interesting and what's happened to it and who bought it and did they get a discount. And so we, we tell these true crime stories, but then we have the added layer of what happened to the house. Right. Um, and so if, if you love crime, and you also love real estate, it's a great show for you. Yeah, excellent. I understand, Heather, that your husband was raised in a murder home. So tell me about that. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's sort of the story that started mm -hmm. it all. But, you know, my husband's father, my father-in-law, got remarried when my husband was young and they had a large blended family. Um, and they also wanted to raise horses. And so, you know, they needed a big home on an even larger lot and being pragmatic Midwesterners, they found a great deal on a house that had everything they were looking for. And as it turns out, you know, the murder of uh, an entire family happened there, uh, a husband and wife and their two small children. And it's it's a story that has been in the news for many, many years, appeal after appeal. Um, and so that was sort of the story that started us really questioning, well, why did they buy this house? And, you right. know, for them, it was a pragmatic decision, but we wanted to dive into the mm -hmm. story, what crime had occurred and, and what had happened to the house since. Where, where was this? This was in Iowa. Okay. Okay. So um, I, I guess I, I will open this up and say that, you know, there's a little bit of a warning about the content. Um, I know that, you know, when you dive right into these things, if, if you are uninitiated or uh, maybe you're just not expecting it, when someone starts whipping out, you know, stories of autopsy reports and such, you know, there, there can be some, um, some, some shock there. So I'll say that uh, we are going to be talking about some of the crimes that have happened, uh, you know, one in, in, uh, in Dallas and one that's been of national fame. But um, so as a warning to, to you guys. So did someone die in this house? I'm sure that's a question that uh, if you haven't gotten it, people are, are always wondering about it. Um, but how big a deal of is, is that? I mean, you know, can you kind of explain the, maybe the, the psyche behind somebody being maybe a little bit weirded out about a house where somebody has died, not necessarily a, a violent crime, but just that somebody's died. Well, I've never felt like any buyers have been apprehensive about buying an old home because as you said, definitely people have passed there. And um, that's never been an issue for any of my, my buyers. And, and I don't have an issue with that. Anything like natural, yeah. you know, we both, are real vibey about stuff. So when we talk about houses where murders occur or you're really weird with like torture, not even like the murder, you're like, mm -hmm. if anyone was tortured in the house, I don't wanna, she doesn't wanna live there. And um, 
I'm, I'm more vibey with yeah. that kind of stuff. But and I think too, there's you know there's some fear of the unknown, right? And if it's a house that's been you know 1920s, 1930s house, there have been several families that have lived there over the mm -hmm. years, and so the unknown factor is is sort of off the table because many families have been happy there yeah. over the centuries or decades, I guess. And so, but I think if it's a more recent death, then that unknown factor is still on the table. And when you're making a large real estate investment, you like to know what you're getting into. Right. And one of those points is about a death. So the exact language, a seller or seller's agent is not required to disclose a, uh, disclose a death from natural causes, suicide, or an accident unrelated to the property's condition. Okay, so this language has always confused me because they're not required to disclose unrelated. So then that means what? Great question. I think that leaves it really open for interpretation and it's a little vague. And I think, you know, we always say disclose, mm -hmm. disclose, disclose. You know, if you know about it, you should you should tell about it, especially yeah. right now. I mean, you can Google anything. And so what benefit is to you to not disclose that? Right. I would feel awful if I knew and I didn't technically have to disclose and then they found out. I, would, I couldn't live with myself. Yeah, yeah same, always yeah. disclosing. Well, and we had an interesting story. We interviewed a lady who lived in the house where Polly Class was abducted from. And this was what, maybe early 90s? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, internet not quite as broadly available. And they move into the house, you know, the day after closing, and the neighbor comes up and says, oh, you bought Polly's house. And they had no idea. Really? And so I, I think you want to avoid that at all cost. Speaking of seller's disclosures, uh, you know, one story that has kind of gripped our, uh, our interest has been the Darley, uh, Darley Routier house. Uh, this is a gorgeous, you know, brick home and dormers, and it, it's, it's really a charming, charming home. I know in the seller's disclosure, though, I thought it was interesting, and, and uh, it said something to the effect that, you know, there, there may have been some type of violent crime that happened here on site. Who doesn't know that? I mean, yeah, it's again, it's best practices, right? And um, we think best practice is to be as forthright as possible. You know, the other story you all have covered uh, really well is the Candy Montgomery story and the house that Betty Gore was murdered in was recently on the market. And that disclosure was done so well. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I think I, I don't have the exact words in front of me, but I think it, it was very specific and Why it just axe murder house. Yes, it, said, like it was very, very, specific. very specific, like Wiley Axe murder occurred, occurred here, you know, X day, X year. Yes. And that's really all you need to know. Right. You're right. That was a very good disclosure because... Let me go back to, uh, to Darley's house really quick because the early listings of the home, like I don't, you know, you'll go back in MLS and you'll see the previous listings and you'll see kind of what the house looked like. Um, it had very few home updates. If you've seen crime scene photos and then you see the house and it looks the same, mm -hmm. how much of a problem is that? I think it's a big problem. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I, we are not experts in selling houses where crimes have occurred. We just like to get together and talk about them. Yeah. But staging is staging, right? And you are trying to present the home in the best possible light to as many potential buyers as possible. And you're exactly right. I mean, um, the uh, the Menendez family home was just on the market. And same thing, you see these crime scene photos, you know, with the bookcases in the background and the bookcases are still there. Yes. It's like, no, th those have to right. go. <laughs> it goes back to like vibes for me too. Yeah. Because I'm like, that's not a, I don't, that's a vibey, I don't like it. I, I don't like that at all. It's too much of a reminder of, of what's happened there. 
I was particularly fascinated with, so these red curtains were still there. Yes. And they, were, we look, they would look dated anyway. You would think you'd get rid of them, but they were Darley's red curtains. Hmm. What? <laughs> I, I'm absolutely with you. Yeah, I can't believe they didn't at least take them down and just clean the windows. You know, yeah. maybe paint, new carpet. Mm -hmm. um, that would have been a good investment on their part. Yeah, and again, I, you know, I, I, I tread lightly because this is in our, our market. What would we say then are the best practices? I mean, disclose. Disclose. Everything. Take the curtains down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anything that the murderer or victim owned, maybe take that stuff down. What else would you say? Well, it reminds me of the Jody Arias. I think it was in the bathroom. They had to pull up some of the tile because there was blood on the on the tile, but they didn't replace it. Like they, they just only... like they just pulled up where the blood was. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's so obvious. Okay, so let's go back to then uh, Candy Montgomery and the Gore House. When you're looking at photos, listing photos, do you ever get creeped out by some of the photos, like looking at? you know, Betty Gore's home, the laundry room. Yeah, th there definitely was a picture of the laundry room in yes. the listing photos. And to be fair, it is a lovely laundry room mm -hmm. for the size of house that it is. So I can see from a listing perspective where you want to highlight that feature of the home. Um, but it does sort of have that, you know, side-by-side -side comparison of a crime scene photo. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't done built-ins or anything that would make it look different. The rest of the homes, I mean, the home's been very nicely updated. So I think that's a benefit. Yes. They were giving the buyer what they were looking for in that house. We have to talk about JonBenet Ramsey and this house. Uh, let's see, the address is 749 15th Street in Boulder. Well, what were your guys' impressions uh, when the house, somewhat recently, and actually it's on the market right now, currently, yeah, it's been on and off the market mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, you know, they did a really good job redoing the basement. I think so much yes. of the crime, you know, the body was found in the basement. Um, so much of the what we hear about revolves around the basement, mm -hmm. the boiler room. Right. Um, so they did a nice job making that into a teenage hangout space. Yeah. Um, I, I guess maybe, you know, when we interviewed my sister-in-law for the story about the Iowa murder house, she's like, teenagers didn't care. It was a, you know, it was a fun story to tell our friends. So maybe that's a good spot to do that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that story was hard for us. I mean, it was mm -hmm. the first one we covered on the podcast. We did it in three different episodes. I think we would all really like for that to be solved. Mm -hmm. well, I think we all had our own like idea of what we think happened. I, I hate to speculate too much, I guess, I, although I have multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're supposed to speculate. Right, yeah. you know, we're talking about... I just think there's so many weird things that um, an intruder wouldn't necessarily know about the family's morning habits, where they kept things in the house. Um, that's always bothered me, and the way that she was found has always bothered me. Just the, the dad going down there, and, and it, it just just those those two things in particular really bothered me about that case. Okay, so if you haven't followed the case lately or have kind of forgot some of the details, it was the day after Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the kids had gone to bed, and the next morning, uh, Patsy comes down this spiral staircase, and there's a note on the you know the bottom step, and it's this ransom note, and I, I would. I make it sound singular, but it was a multi-page ransom note, which at the time was very curious. Yeah. So, you know, so dad, John goes down with one of his friends and they just immediately start searching the house and, and fill in the, the blank there. So what happens then after they've, you know, here, let me look in here. Yeah, so, you know, the friend that's with John Ramsey at the time goes on record later as saying that John exclaimed before the light was turned on in the room, which is one of the mm -hmm. things that's always sort of pointed to the family doing it. You know, this is a good friend saying this, so they're not inclined to make up the story, but they do find John Bonet's body there. 
Um, and he picks her up, and the thing we talked about this that struck us as so odd is he carries her away from his body, yeah. not, you know, cradled. Or not. And she's a small girl, five or six, I think she was mm -hmm. six, but petite. But he carries her away from his body upstairs, lays her down on the floor. And so, you know, it's tragic. I can't even imagine what a parent is going through at that point. But from a crime scene standpoint, you know, you've moved the body, you have, you know, touched all sorts of things. I mean, it's just, it makes it impossible mm -hmm. to really then fully um, investigate from the get-go. Right, right. So I'm coming back to, you know, to, to filling in the blanks mm -hmm. then of, of some of the things that bothered you mm -hmm. about the case. Yeah, I mean, I think when we covered a lot of the intruder theories, all of them seem so plausible. You know, there's Santa Claus. If, if you're not familiar with the story, you know, Santa came and was often at the at the Christmas parties at the Ramsey home, and he had this weird fascination with John Bonet. You know, she gave him some glitter and a vial right. before surgery, and he told his kids he wanted to be buried with it. I mean, it, it very weird. And there's, you know, another guy that was arrested, and they had he had an ode to John Bonet poem in his backpack, and was living around the corner at the time. And all of, from a circumstantial evidence standpoint, you think, well, that's got to be the killer. But the DNA has ruled these people out, and it's also ruled the family out. And so I'm always curious, like, did the DNA get contaminated? Is it the right DNA? Um, you know, I think the thing that makes me, I could argue any point as to who did this yeah, in this so case. Personally, I think Burke did it um, because I don't think so. If, if John did it, there's no way that Patsy is going to protect her husband at all costs to, to desecrate her daughter's body to, you know, strangle and, and do all this mm -hmm. stuff to stage a crime like i'm right. not going to do that but you know and so vice versa i don't think john would do that for patsy right i think that's right um it, but you know john has pushed for more testing of dna i mean even as recently as i think november of this last year and so the only thing that makes me question that is why would he continue the search if he knew that you know why not at this point just let it go but is it you know find the real killers like, OJ Simpson. I was yeah. thinking that, like, maybe, I don't know if it is this case, but it could be like a hubris thing. Like, I've gotten away with it this long. I mean, it seems like Keep killers do that all the time. Right. Okay, so I think you two are in the same camp, is what I'm So hearing. you think Burke did it? Well, I don't know. I think someone in the family probably did. And are and you he intruder? Had some serious behavior issues. I mean, he definitely was acting out, looking for attention, you know. And again, I always wonder, like, so when you're talking to people, how much do you assume that people know about a case? That's a great question. At the beginning, we really thought that a lot of people knew all about John Benet Ramsey. Mm -hmm. You know, it was our first episode. Um, and so we jumped into it, assuming people knew that premise. And I was talking at home with my husband and I, he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so it was a way and that- not young. No. <laughs> um, so I think that was a wake up call for us that we did need to go back. And so we have since you mm -hmm. know, started with who are these people? Let's tell a little bit of their story before we jump into the crime. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that honors the victims, too, I think. Mm -hmm. OK, so we, we've gone over some of our favorite cases then. Um, I guess I would close with uh, I'm going to be the good journalist and and say, um, all right. So if you were to have to sell a murder home, Knowing your personal interest in true crime, um, how would you go about that? Is there anything different that you would uh, that you would do that you would feel? Uh, do you have any misgivings, maybe, about selling? We ask each other that after every episode: Would we buy it? Would we would we sell it? Would we list it? Um, would we live there? Because yeah, everyone's different. Every yeah. every case I is different. Yeah, but I think we haven't really come across many that we wouldn't help somebody well, list. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and I think from that perspective, you know, we've talked about how much more um, discerning maybe you need to be, you know, especially depending on popularity is not the word I'm looking for, but the, you know, how widespread the crime is, yeah. how, how, how public it is, how much people know about it. Yeah. And so I think if it's a crime that's been widely publicized, you know, you're probably better off doing mm -hmm. it as a hip pocket or off market or, you know, just finding that right buyer through more networking than opening it up to the public yeah. just for, because I think what you don't want is people just coming through for sport. Mm -hmm. Exactly. If any of any of our, our famous houses in, in this Dallas market had an open house on Sunday, I, I would see you yeah. guys there. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate uh, the time to kind of nerd out a little bit. I know we didn't even go, you know, half as deep as, as probably we could have in some of, in some of these murders and, and crimes. But thanks so much, Thanks guys. for having us. We really appreciate it.